0: Oh, hello there, and we have reached the week, championship week, as part of college basketball coast-to-coast. I am your somewhat capable, somewhat awake host, T.J. Reeves, and yes, we'll get some sleep, uh, I guess, at some point this week, but here we go. With the madness, the mayhem, one conference after another. We've already had automatic bids going out to the likes of Utah State. Congratulations. They will not have a nervous week waiting to see if the 2020 Selection Committee puts them in. They took matters into their own hands and upset San Diego State and probably cost San Diego State a number one seed in the process in the Mountain West Championship game on Saturday. What a great win with Sam Merrill hitting that winning three-point shot for the Utah State Aggies, so they know they are in. The Belmont Bisons are back in for another year. What a great final play on the backdoor cut as Belmont defeated Murray State in the Ohio Valley Conference Championship game Saturday night. We saw more bids flying off the board on Sunday, including the Missouri Valley title. Bradley Braves back in the NCAA tournament for the second straight year. It's the first time since the 1950s that Bradley has been in the big dance two years in a row as they came from behind and beat Valparaiso in St. Louis to capture that automatic bid. We saw the Liberty Flames get into the NCAA tournament for the second year in a row with a win in the Atlantic Sun Conference uh, over Lipscomb as they're able to get the victory on their home floor. They're dancing once again. Uh, so uh, again, automatic bids going out all over the place, and we've got a busy show here to set the table early on in the week for championship uh, week. I want to tell you, coming up straight ahead, things have sorted out in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten tournament is now set in Indianapolis. Tim Brando of Fox Sports will be here straight up and straight ahead to discuss the win by the Maryland Terrapins on Sunday. He called their win over Michigan. Maryland now co-champions, tri-champions in the 2020 Big Ten along with Wisconsin and Michigan State as it turned out. So Maryland gets to hang a banner as a Big Ten conference champion And now uh, we'll see how they proceed through the Big Ten tournament and into the NCAA tournament. Tim worked the game. He'll have firsthand account from College Park of how things went there. And Timmy B on his way. He's worked a lot of Big East games this year. They ended up with tri-champions as well, with Creighton, Villanova, and Seton Hall all finishing tied at the top. Tim will talk Big East tournament as he gets set to work that on Fox Sports 1 cable all over the country. Bill Raftery will be with Tim on Wednesday. Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon, Timmy B and Jim Jackson working the Big East tournament. So I look forward to talking to Timmy B here in a bit about some of the college hoops. Then Matt Zimmick will hop aboard. Uh, Speaking of the Big Ten in Wisconsin, Matt uh, oversees the Badger Wire uh, USA Today website And so he's got great insight into the Badgers and their closing stretch run and just how good of a job Greg Gard has done as their coach. So he'll talk a little Big Ten basketball with us from the Wisconsin angle, but also Pac-12 basketball as well. Matt oversees the USC Trojans, Trojan Wire, uh, USA Today website as well. And so USC gets that last-second three-pointer to defeat UCLA, their crosstown rival, Saturday afternoon. That puts the Trojans into the top four of the Pac-12 and did it maybe put them into the NCAA tournament we'll ask Matt Zimmick that we'll ask him about the rest of the Pac-12 we'll debate UCLA's merit with UCLA having their seven game win streak snapped at the very end these teams are headed to Vegas later in the week as we're in the preview mode I'll say this several times on the show you may already know some results earlier in the week of some of these mid-major conferences and the automatic bids we're previewing some of those games on this show we don't know those results as of yet, but again, we do know in the power conferences, Pac-12 gets underway later in the week, and on Saturday night crowns their champion. How many Pac-12 teams will get in? Matt Zimic has thoughts on all of this uh, here with us. Uh, then up after that, look forward to talking with Chris Dobbertine. Uh, he is blogging the bracket. Uh, Chris, with uh, the great insight, bloggingthebracket.com from the SB Nation uh, family of websites. Uh, we're going to play some in and out with him. I want to I want to ask specifically uh, as we talk throughout this show about the Indiana Hoosiers, about teams like the Texas Longhorns, even UCLA, etc., uh, etc. Et How many SEC teams get in? Uh, there's a couple Couple of bubble teams as well in the Big 12 or the ACC. Uh, how many get in uh, from the American Conference after their league shook out again with a three way tie at the top uh, with Tulsa losing at Wichita State Sunday afternoon? That opened the door for Houston to beat my Memphis Tigers, my alma mater, good gracious. Now, am I going to go a sixth consecutive season with no Memphis Tigers in the NCAA tournament? Josh Pastor gets fired. Uh, you bring in Tubby Smith, he gets fired. You bring in Penny Hardaway, you still can't make the NCAA tournament two years later. I know I know the Tigers have been banged up, but they've lost too many of the critical games to have an at-large case. Their only hope is to win the automatic bid at this point. And you've got Cincinnati, you've got Houston, he's Wichita State in. We're going to talk to Chris Dobertine about the American Conference uh, a little bit as well. And we cannot wait for just the barrage. Uh, the mayhem of all the games this week on championship week all leading to selection sunday sunday night so stick with us we'll have a preview later in the week of the weekend on college basketball coast to coast and then a selection sunday night show as well uh, here on college basketball coast to coast once the field of 68 is out the 36 teams that get in at large with the 32 automatic qualifiers Who's playing whom? Who are the one seeds who barely got in to go to Dayton and play in the first four? We'll be analyzing and talking about all of it on Sunday night on College Basketball Coast to Coast. So that reminds me to tell you that you need to subscribe to this podcast. However, you found us through a social media link uh, from the sharing of different websites. Uh, Whether that's Chris's bloggingthebracket.com website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, wherever you found out about college basketball coast-to-coast, the podcast here, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Spreaker, on Google Podcasts, subscribe and this podcast will come automatically to you as soon as it's brand new and there will be one on Friday that will be brand new to preview the weekend after we settle a lot of what's going to happen here in the midweek and set up for the weekend of the Power Conferences as As well as Selection Sunday night, we are now inside of a week from Selection Sunday taking place. And we're now only eight days away from the first four getting underway next Tuesday and Wednesday night in Dayton for the 2020 NCAA tournament. That will all culminate in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the 2020 Final Four in the Men's National Championship. Anxious to bring it all to you. Uh, so we're excited about that, and we'll have live championship game coverage here uh, through college basketball, coast-to-coast, and on TuneIn Uh, So find the TuneIn channel, Tag Sports Group. It's the exclusive coverage of the Horizon League Championship on Tuesday night, the Conference USA Championship game on Saturday night from Frisco, Texas. And then Sunday, Selection Sunday, one of the final pieces to the puzzle every year is the Sunbelt Conference Championship. This will be the sixth consecutive year we're doing the Sunbelt on TuneIn and Tag Sports Group. Three automatic bids will be decided nationally exclusively on TuneIn. I'm anxious to be on the call. The first one will come Tuesday night again uh, in the Horizon League in Indianapolis. Mark Wise will be with me on that and Coach Wise will be with us to wrap up the show today on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Mark is first working the Southern Conference Championship game on Monday night. At the time that we're taping, that's East Tennessee State and Wofford. Talk to Mark about what kind of case does East Tennessee State have at large if they get upset in this championship game on Monday. Mark will talk more Horizon League with me as he's working that game Tuesday and then he's on to the sec tournament in nashville for later on in the week so i look forward to talking with him as well so again a chalked full show so much to get to here as part of college basketball coast to coast let's get rolling with our guest championship week is here tournaments all over the place we're ready to preview it right now Listen, there are good guys, and then there are phenomenal guys. And there's nothing like a guy who was just on the call on national TV on Fox Sports of Maryland wrapping up at least a share of the Big Ten championship and then being willing to jump on the phone with me here on College Basketball Coast to Coast, none other than the Timmy B, Tim Brando, with me for just a few moments while in transit. It is truly madness, March Madness, trying to get from here to there. Good to have you, my friend.
1: Planes, trains,
0: and automobiles, DJ. What I'm all about. (laughs) No doubt, especially this time of year. You don't know this, but I'm headed to Indianapolis for the Horizon League championship uh, for Tuesday night in Indy. And then on the weekend, Conference USA and the Sunbelt Championships back-to-back night. So we are going to cross each other and wave to each other in the airwaves and on the roads the next few days. All right, I only have a limited few moments with you. Tell me first about Maryland, the win Sunday over Michigan. Again, how good they looked, and what it means for them to win a share of the Big Ten title.
1: Well, when when Callen and, and Jalen Smith get help, uh, the kind of help that they got today from Eric Ayella, uh and uh, and uh, Wiggins, Aaron Wiggins, they they are a very difficult team to stop. And and uh, I think that you know most college basketball teams TJ are struggling to find a third scorer. Uh, they had four today, and for Michigan, that was just too tough. I mean, Michigan played well and responded to Maryland's runs, but but Cowan is one of those once-every-decade type talents at the point guard position, and Ayala actually today handled it, the ball a lot more than Cowan than did, which enabled him to, to play off the ball and, and get free for open shots and even drive to the basket, but Jalen Smith is a rim protector. He's an eraser. He allows the Maryland defense to take chances and get turnovers and points off those turnovers uh, because he's such a a sharp blocking presence. So uh, the combination of all of that was too much today. Now, I also think with Isaiah Livers back with Michigan, uh, the Wolverines, depending on the draw, like it always does, uh, depending on the draw, they're another team. Even though they're in the 8-9 game in Indianapolis uh, against Rutgers, they are going to be a tough out once we get into the NCAAs. And, you know, there's a probably 15 to 20 teams that could make the Final Four and win it. I think there's as many as 35 or 40 teams that probably have legitimate uh, mm. reasons to believe that they can make uh, make it to Atlanta. I don't think they can all win the whole thing, but I think they can get there. But th- this notion that uh, Kansas and Oregon and Baylor have separated, I don't believe that. I just don't. There's way too much balance uh, in college basketball, look in the Big East, for instance, where Seton Hall led most of the year, and yet Creighton uh, is without a doubt playing the best basketball of anyone in that conference. And Providence is right on their heels. You know, we could have a we can have a, in that league a team that's having to play opening night, go on to win the tournament. You know, a team that would have to play four straight games as opposed to three straight games. So, and, and that's not. Uh, atypical of what's going on around the
0: rest of the country. No doubt about that. You said something at the end of the broadcast, uh, not only about Creighton uh, recently joining the Big East and getting a share of the title, Maryland the same thing recently right. joining the Big Ten and getting the share of the title. Your call was Lefty Drizzel, uh Gary Williams and now Mark Turgeon right. and now it's the Big Ten. Uh, what what yeah. was that whole thing like there in the Comcast Center and watching all of that? Well,
1: I think you, you, you probably heard the interview that Andy Katz had with Mark Turgeon, where he said, I had this 1,000-pound gorilla lifted off my shoulders. You know, Maryland's a tough job in a lot of ways. Their fan base, uh, as a charter member of the ACC, has unbelievable expectations. Some of them were not happy when they left the ACC. And Gary Williams was, in a lot of ways, a mirror image of that fan base. He was an alum. He he coached with a lot of emotion and fire. Uh, Mark is not that kind of guy. He's a little more laid back. He's a Midwesterner, played for Larry Brown at Kansas, and I think was deemed as maybe a little soft by some of their fan base. And today, you saw some fire from him that I think was emblematic of his uh, need to get, you know, something substantive out of this season. They were favored all year long, the team that was in first place much of the season, and you know if they had not gotten this piece of the title uh, with three tries to get it done. And the schedule was stacked against them, let's be real. They had to play really tough road games. Uh, and Rutgers knew they had to win that last game. And I think, I think Maryland was just tired. They only play really six guys. Today he dipped down and played a couple of other guys and used eight, which is a lot for him. And um, I think consciously he knew it was going to take that to give his guys a better chance to not be winded at the end of the game against, against the deeper Wolverines. So that was huge for him.
0: Really was. Uh, and I promised Tim Brando this was going to be a fast break version of the interview here on college basketball coast uh-huh. to coast. So I only have him for a couple of more uh minutes. All right, so uh-huh. one more on the Big Ten, then I gotta talk Big East for just a second. So they head okay. to Indianapolis, and as you just alluded to, there, there could be there's a legitimate case that five, six teams could win this tournament, right? That's not hyperbole. That's not an exaggeration. Oh, no, not
2: at all. Yeah. Right. No,
1: I, I think uh uh Purdue could win the tournament. You know, the Rutgers-Purdue game, by example, is huge in that league. Rutgers beat Purdue. I think that secured a bid for them at the rack the other day. And I think uh, Purdue, that actually was listed on the other days. there been so many games it feels like yep. it was last week, obviously yep. yesterday. But I think if Purdue beats Rutgers in the rematch, uh, in the 7-8, I believe, uh, not the 7-8, is it 7-10? Maybe 7-10. Yes,
0: correct, yes. Uh,
1: the 7-10 game. Then I think Purdue gets a bid. Their net is like 32. They've got more quad one wins than any team in the league. And even though their record is 16 and 15 overall, their net is like 32 the last I checked. Uh, Remember Ohio State, and I pointed this out on the year during our game, Ohio State last year was 8-12 and in the conference. And there were a lot of people who thought they didn't deserve to get in, and they did. And then they beat Iowa State. So the committee looked good by putting them in. Now, look, there could be bid-stealers. Utah State may have stolen a bid yesterday out west when they beat San Diego State. But if there aren't a lot of those that take place, then I think the Big Ten could get 11 teams in.
0: Imagine mm, that. Yep. And 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 look, again, they don't care about the record. You know this, Tim, and I'm just saying it to the audience. Yeah. We've heard this over and over again right. in your conference. They care about which teams did you defeat. Right and which teams did you lose to out of whether that's 10 and 10 or 12 and 8 or 8 yeah. and 12 so we know the how
2: the media talks about
1: the conference affiliation the committee does not
0: yes well and uh, and they're going to look at uh, especially in a league like the Big 10 did you beat the better teams in the Big 10 and that's right. going to help uh, for some of those yeah. all right big east and this is going to be your first experience working this on fox sports and fox sports uh one i have been to the garden on one occasion uh for the big east tournament oh seven john thompson the third and georgetown won it that year it is some scene timmy i know you're going to go experience it you've done a lot of big time games in a lot of places i know you're you're anxious to see well, a big east tournament that could have any yeah. one of probably five or six winners right
1: Well, yeah, I've done ACC championships. I've done ACC uh, tournament championships for a lot of years. This is my first encounter with the Big East, and I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'll only do the first four games. But even those games are incredible. I mean, St. John's Georgetown winner is capable of beating Creighton. St. John's just beat Creighton before Creighton won yesterday. So it's wide open in that league. Uh, And – of the teams that are in that conference, Marquette, who's also going to be playing opening night, cannot afford a loss uh, because they just—they've been on the skids and they absolutely have to get a win in their game with DePaul, or I think they may be out of the tournament. So that's opening night. Now the following day, the winner of the St. John's Georgetown game, which is—you know—the place is going to be packed for that game,
0: no doubt, uh,
1: at Madison Square Garden. And, oh, by the way, Georgetown has done it with mirrors and have been competitive all season long. Either one of those teams are capable of beating Creighton as the one seed waiting for the winner of that game. And then uh, uh, after that, it's Providence against Butler. And I, I would defy anybody to tell me who's playing better right now at a major conference than Providence is the last half of the season. That Cooley's team is just amazing when it gets to this time of the year. So um, – the only difference between the Big Ten and the Big East, TJ, is mathematics. There's 10 teams in one league and 14 in another. They're just as deep, and they have just as many dominant teams.
0: Well, and we will see how that plays out again on FS1 cable uh, for the first two days, uh, actually for the right. first three days, including the semifinals. Tim will be working the afternoon yes. session, correct? I heard you say that with Jim Jackson. On
1: Thursday. Yeah, on... I do the prime time games Wednesday night. And gotcha. I
0: yeah, we go. It's going to be a busy turnaround there to get to New York City and I'll be, be part with, of those. Uh, I'll
1: be with raft on Wednesday night and with Jimmy Jackson on Thursday
0: afternoon. There we go. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this man. I look forward to it. So we're going to be busy. Promise me we get to chop it up again with the NCAA tournament unfolding, etc. Down the road. Have a great call, my friend. I love it.
1: Thank you, TJ. All the best, buddy. Have a great March.
0: Still Bill to come, Matt Zimick straight ahead, talking Wisconsin, talking Big Ten Tournament, talking USC, Pac-12 Tournament, and much more anxious to talk with him. Chris Dobertine from bloggingthebracket.com will be here with the latest early in the week on who's in, who's out, what are his seeds, etc. And Mark Wise still to come as well. My analyst who's working the Southern Conference Monday night, where East Tennessee State's trying to get it done. And uh, will they have an at-large case if they don't win the automatic bid in the Southern Conference title game in Asheville, North Carolina? they got an interesting case that Mark and I will talk about. Mark will be with me for the Horizon League Championship Tuesday night. Anxious to talk with him on Tuesday evening. Will that be Wright State uh, against Northern Kentucky? Will it be only one of those teams or neither of those teams in Indianapolis? we got Monday night semifinals. We'll see what happens for the championship game Tuesday. We're broadcasting it nationally on TuneIn. All over the place, digitally. Uh, Find us on TuneIn, and a reminder, subscribe to this show as well. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you find podcasts, however you found this show, through a social media link, etc. Subscribe to College Basketball Coast to Coast. And we are brought to you in part by Play Pick 6 the mobile app. All right, this is the week. To pick any six games, any day, and win a great sports-themed restaurant gift card, Just go to playpick6.com and find out more about how to get the app or just go download the app from the Google Play Store or the Apple Store and pick any six teams to win in a given day. If all six come through, you win absolutely for free. Free to sign up, free to play, barrage of games. There are going to be 197 games. Okay, I made that number up, but it's probably pretty close. There are going to be about 150 to 200 games played all week and all weekend. Pick any six To win, and you've got an opportunity uh, to get a great sports themed restaurant gift card wherever you are, for free. It takes less than a couple of minutes to sign up for free. Download the app, Apple Store, Google Play Store, for Play Pick 6. And you can mix and match sports as well. If you don't just want to pick the college games, if you want to pick some NBA games, some NHL hockey, mix and match those in your six predictions on Play Pick 6. Show what you know. Get out of that armchair. Make your predictions for this week, whether you're Big Ten, Big East, SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. I don't care. Uh, American Conference, on and on and on, Ivy League. They've got all the games. Pick any six of them to win. And here's another quick feature feature with uh, Play Pick Six. If you lose a game, if you lose a game Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon, you've got six going, you can reload. Reload again and pick six more games because as long as there are games that have not started yet, you can add those and make the predictions. Play as many times as you can get off six predictions Now, once you've won, that's it for a day. But if you lose, you've still got late-night games. Mountain Time Zone, Western Time Zone, etc. Take advantage of it. Make some extra predictions as long as there's games being played on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, heading to Selection Sunday. Go download the app right now. Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, show what you know. Play. Pick six. Would not be college basketball, coast-to-coast, and championship week if we did not check in with a guy that keeps me straight on this podcast and does a fantastic job of covering the college game, not just for the USA Today uh, Wisconsin website Badger Wire, but also the USC Trojan Wire as well for USA, uh, USA Today. So uh, we keep track of Big Ten, we keep track of Pac-12 and all else in college basketball with the Matt Zimick back with us here. Uh, It's here, my friend. Championship week. We got auto bids going out. We got more auto bids on Monday night and Tuesday night. We have a Big Ten tournament slotted and bracket set. Same thing with the Pac-12. We have so much to talk about, sir. We're ready to hop to it and get to it.
3: We are ready. And the, the big reminder I put out there, TJ, for all the listeners of the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast is that. The Thursday and Friday of this week, championship week, are the two most underrated sports days of the entire year. So Thursday <laughs> and the Friday of championship week, they're basically the first and second the first round of the NCAA tournament on steroids. You know, they're tournament games, but you're getting them from you know several different power conferences, plus the the tweener conferences such as the AAC uh, and the Atlantic Ten. Uh, you get those, and you, there are still some other small conference tournaments as well. You have the Ivy League title, mm. title game uh, tournament being played. So uh, the, the Thursday and the Friday, and especially Friday night, because you have high-level quarterfinals in like the SEC and the Big Ten, but then you also get the semifinals of the ACC, the Big East, all happening in that really jam-packed uh, Friday night segment. You know, a, a few years ago, TJ, as you know, a lot of the Power Five conference tournaments, which had played their finals on Sunday, moved to their schedules to play the, the finals on Saturday, partly so that their teams, the teams that played in the final of the conference tournament, would get one more day of rest before the NCAA tournament. But the other thing was so that their seating would be honored and recognized. If you won the conference tournament on a Sunday afternoon, the committee would often not adjust, make the seeding or bracketing adjustment. So by having the final on Saturday night, there was a much better chance that the seeding and bracketing would reflect a conference tournament championship. So that, that Friday night now is just an absolutely loaded five hours. It could really be the best five hours of the whole year.
0: And 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 I did the math at one point. I don't have it exactly in front of me, and my God, I haven't counted at this point early in the week. But that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at one point had over 95, 95 tournament games that that were flying every which direction, quarterfinal, semifinal, or, or then to championship games like you mentioned on Saturday, setting up for Selection Sunday, which my goodness, Selection Sunday is now this Sunday, a week away. Uh, we can't wait uh, for that. And by the way, sidebar, we, we could go on for 15 minutes about the idiotic, and that's the word I'll use, the idiotic uh admission from previous committees that we're not going to wait the championship game as mattering for seating purposes. It's maddening absolutely maddening that you're playing these tournaments and you're saying that if you beat one of the other top teams other top teams in your conference it doesn't matter but we're going to go all the way back to november that if you beat someone in november on a neutral floor that matters but what just happened today doesn't matter again uh, we could go on and on for 15 or 20 minutes, but I'm just putting that out there. So that is a way to combat it. There's uh, there's, there's uh, no doubt that the ACC, the Big 12, uh, the Pac-12, the Big E's, they all set out to do that, to have it done on Saturday so that that can't be an excuse. All right, so in saying that, uh, we now have seen these uh, conferences, the, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 sort out. Let's begin with the Big 10 sorting out on Sunday. We now know it is three-way a try co-champions but wisconsin got the top seed in the big 10 tournament for indianapolis Uh, again you write about the badgers and oversee the badger wire usa today website Uh, they go in they get the win at assembly hall they finish co-champions they get the one seed matt a thought or two from you real quick
2: well, you know, remember, the Big
3: Ten going to get at least nine teams into the NCAA tournament. If Indiana gets in, it'll be ten. So this, of all the conference tournaments, this is the one in which it's most obvious to expect the eight or nine seed to give the top seed all sorts of trouble in a possible quarterfinal. And that's exactly what's heading Wisconsin's way. Not necessarily that the Badgers are likely to lose, but they easily could lose to Michigan or Rutgers, that's the 8-9 game. Wisconsin's going to play the winner in the quarters. I mean, Michigan and Rutgers are both NCAA tournament teams. So you have an 8-9 game with two NCAA tournament teams. That is not common to the conference tournament at any level. So when I look at the Big Ten bracket, TJ, Wisconsin with the one seed, you know, the one seed is obviously a point of pride. It does make Badger fans feel good. But Michigan State, and especially Michigan State is- the two maryland is the three they got better draws than wisconsin did maryland could play a penn state team which has nosedived over the past three weeks or indiana uh you know, a, a weak team away from assembly hall i mean that's a better draw than wisconsin getting uh michigan or rutgers michigan state would play purdue or ohio state wisconsin is three and oh or excuse me three and one against Purdue and Ohio State this season. Swept the Buckeyes, split with the, bo- the Boilermakers, and the one loss was, was at Purdue. So, you know, th- this is a neutral site. Um, I-, I think Wisconsin got a comparatively tougher draw, uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see uh, how, if, how Wisconsin moves through the top half of the bracket. And it's also going to be interesting from a Wisconsin point of view, TJ, you just won the Big Ten title. You had a trophy celebration. Does Wisconsin reset and really go all out at the Big Ten tournament, or is there a natural letdown against uh, Michigan or Rutgers who are trying to improve their seeding for the NCAA tournament. It's going to be really interesting to see how the Badgers
0: respond. Great points on all of this. Of course, we saw Michigan State on Sunday afternoon beat Ohio State on the senior day for Cassius Winston with him kissing the Spartan at midcourt and all that emotion. They may end up playing Ohio State right away in this Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis coming later in the week. We'll find out on that. All right, quickly, a couple more on the Big Ten, then I want to move on to the Pac-12. Greg Gard, the coaching job, you've been focused on Wisconsin what do we give this, an eight, a nine, a nine-and-a-half on the stretch run and how well they played?
3: Well, I mean, certainly over the past four weeks, it's been an A-plus. And if you haven't followed Wisconsin too closely this year, the main thing is that you know at the end of January, Kobe King, one of the shooting guards, left the team for personal reasons, and he transferred to Nebraska a few weeks ago. Um, Kobe King left the team. Brad Davison, another starting guard, was suspended for a February 1st game against Michigan State. So, Wisconsin played that game without two of its normal starters. Going against Tom Izzo seemed like a lost cause, and the Badgers were uh, you know, on the bubble or at least very close to the bubble at that time. They, they're, they're probably going to get like a number four seed in the NCAA tournament as it stands now, but back then, Wisconsin was probably about a 10 seed uh, in bracketology but Wisconsin was able to beat Michigan State without two of its regular starters with a very thin lineup. And ever since then, I mean, Wisconsin then had a hiccup at Minnesota, but ever since that, that hiccup at Minnesota on February 5th, the team has played lights out. And the more particular thing to observe with Badgers and the job grade guard has done is that all the role players are developing guys like Brevin Bristol and Aleem Ford, um, they're, they have all played their very best basketball of the year on a consistent basis. Those guys were not heard of at all uh, in a, in a mid-to-late January swoon when Wisconsin lost three out of four games, getting lost by Purdue and also losing at Iowa. It, no one was really developing other than Nate Reavers and Demetric Christ early in the season. But then uh, starting at the, at the beginning of February, all of the role players on the team developed, and, and the, the instructive point is they have continued to evolve. It's not as though players, role players are having one or two good games. They have been reliably good for the past eight games. That explains that eight-game winning streak, which brought Wisconsin – The Big
0: Ten title. No doubt. Uh, Archie Miller outspoken after Wisconsin beat them. He started referring (laughs) to uh, all the bracketology and the pundits on the tube or what we do here on the radio is like Sesame Street, characters on Sesame Street. He did not do a cookie monster impersonation, which I would have loved even more, Matt Zimmick. Uh give me your feedback. What what did you think? I mean, he's standing up for his team. There'll be numerous coaches that will do this this week and on the weekend when the selection committee is meeting and and considering they're going to stand up for their team. He went Elmo. He went Big Bird. He went Sesame Street.
3: Well, I think it's just a, a coach who is under an enormous amount of pressure and who knows that he's not measuring up. I think it's just that just strikes me as a venting session and he knows that he has not Locks up an NCAA bid and more precisely in relationship to the big 10 tournament, if he loses to Nebraska and mm. Nebraska lost to Minnesota by 110 billion points on Sunday <laughs> in the regular season, tonight. if he loses to Nebraska, he's out, yeah. he's out of the NCAA tournament. And, and that would be devastating for his tenure at Indiana. I mean, it seemed very likely a week ago that Indiana was in, but then the Hoosiers have, uh, Lost multiple games, so they they're they're really back on the cut line. And uh, well, he's Indiana right. He's have, right.
0: They have Indiana
3: absolutely has to beat Nebraska. All
0: right, they they have quality wins, but they're all at home. And so now, I mean, it's comical, but this is this is March. This is the year, uh, the yearly question when coaches are on the hot seat, etc. Can their team make the tournament or not? You can do yourself great favors. And then we're going to move on Uh, in Indiana's case, beat Nebraska, beat Penn State. And then you're more than likely going to be in more than likely, even if you lose to Maryland, Uh, lose to Nebraska like you're talking about. You could be fired. So uh, stay tuned in Hoosier land. That's exactly what Matt is saying as well for what happens here with Archie Miller. I was just favorable to the Sesame Street. Were you a Burt and Ernie guy? Were you not a big were you not a big bird guy? Were you a cookie monster guy? I mean, come on. Give me that real quick. What were you? Grover, Grover, all right, bigger with Grover, uh, love that. Uh, Pac-12, uh, not Sesame Street here. It it did sort out with USC again. You write as Matt Zimick joins us on College Basketball Coast to Coast. He's at Matt Zimick by the way on Twitter. Z e m e k. Uh, right, also about USC, and they got the last second three-point shot to beat UCLA, which knocked the Bruins uh, out of the possibility of being the one seed there with Oregon. They end up being the two seed in the Pac-12. USC then locked themselves in as the four seed and gets the bye uh, into the quarterfinals of the Pac-12 tournament coming in Las Vegas later this weekend. Matt, a thought or two on the USC win and how the Pac-12 sorted out with seeding.
3: Yeah, so USC's win over UCLA put the Trojans in the NCAA tournament. We talked a few weeks ago saying that USC needed a minimum of three wins. This was before the Arizona school homestand. So USC has gotten those three wins, two over the Arizona schools, and then that win over UCLA. Um, I think the only possible remaining concern for USC in terms of making the NCAA tournament, uh, you have Arizona versus Washington, The 5 versus the 12, USC gets the winner. Um, Washington just beat Arizona. Actually, Washington swept at Arizona State, then at Arizona. Is Washington getting hot as a 12 seed, as the last-place team in the Pac-12? USC is going to hope that Arizona handles Washington, because if Washington upsets Arizona again and plays USC, And Washington has given USC problems this year. Washington beat USC by 32 in early January before Quade Green, the Huskies' most important player, um, was ruled ineligible. But even without Quade Green late in the season, Washington went to Los Angeles, very nearly beat USC. If USC is to lose to 12th-seeded Washington in a possible quarterfinal, that might cause a little bit of uncertainty but, you know, just as long as that one scenario doesn't happen, you sh- USC should be fine for the NCAA tournament. And the significance there, Andy Enfield, not, you know, I don't regard him as a great coach. His offense is as easy to read as a coloring book, maybe easier. <laughs> um, opposing coaches like, figure him out. Like
0: something you would see on Sesame Street. Right, continue, continue, go <laughs> ahead.
3: <laughs> continue. <laughs> that was brilliantly played. Um, even though his offenses are easy to read and even though his teams historically struggle a lot in February and March, for all of his flaws as a coach, Enfield is going to make, almost certainly, his third NCAA tournament at USC. Now, that seems pretty unremarkable in general until you realize that no USC head coach <laughs> has made more than three NCAA tournament wow. appearances. ever, ever. That, that's pretty ever. wild. That, yeah. That's how lean... That's how lean that program has been. USC's gotten past the round of 64 in the NCAA tournament just six times uh, in in, in modern college basketball. So, you know, Enfield has not been great for USC, but compared to his predecessors, he's been very, very good. And so he deserves that much credit. USC needed to get to the NCAA tournament this year, and now it looks like it's going to happen. The other main Pac-12 tournament bracket note is simply that UCLA could play Stanford in a quarterfinal, so that's going to make things very easy for the selection committee because the loser of that game, absolutely, clearly, obviously, out.
0: You believe that's, that's, you believe that's, that's, UCLA? Be game. You believe UCLA at this point is that tenuous? Uh, because I believe they are in they may be in the first four in Dayton but I think they could even lose that quarterfinal game maybe be nervous but I think they're in I think they've done enough with the two wins uh, late in the year especially at Colorado and by beating Arizona and also beating Arizona State another bubble team I think they've done enough but you're saying be nervous be afraid if they lose that game to either Cal or Stanford right real quick
3: well you know So, you know, in terms of people who cover the Pac-12, one of the best is John Wilner of the San uh, San Jose Mercury News. And in our Twitter mentions, uh, he said he thought UCLA had to win the tournament. (laughs) <laughs> he thought UCLA was auto bitter, but uh, That doesn't mean he's absolutely correct. Uh, but he, he's saying. wrong. There's I can help you. I can opinion. help
0: you. He's wrong about that because in order to get to the championship <laughs> game, they would still have to beat an Arizona State or maybe a Colorado on the neutral floor yeah. in a semifinal. I mean, again, look at their wins down the stretch of the season to help them, um, and their UCLA on the front of the jersey. And, and I don't care who wants to argue with me that that doesn't mean something if you're borderline in the. Community room, it does mean something if you're borderline in the committee room. We'll see. We'll see on UCLA and how that sorts out. we got to run in a minute, so do you. If I say to you early on in this week, as the podcast is living in the early part of the week here, you've got all kinds of mid-major conferences that could stand out. You know that I'm doing the Horizon League with Mark Wise on TuneIn where Wright State and Northern Kentucky are the top two teams. Who knows if they both make it to the championship game in Indianapolis. Uh, We've got East Tennessee State. Are they in the tournament if they lose the Southern Conference title game on Monday night to Wofford. You may already know that result if you're listening to us later in the week uh, as well. We're intrigued by that. Are you intrigued by one of those or another one right now early in the week on these kind of mid-major conferences and the auto bids? And if so, which one is it, Matt?
3: Well, the games that you mentioned are very intriguing, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay out here in the West and go with the West Coast Conference tournament. You know, remember last year, Gonzaga, you know, was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, as as this year's team will be. But last year's Gonzaga team was really loaded with veteran names. Uh, it, it, there was a lot of high end talent. You had Rui Hachimura, Brandon Clark, some real high end talent. It seemed there was absolutely no possible way that St. Mary's was going to bump off the Zags in the championship game of the 2019. West Coast Commerce Tournament, and yet that's exactly what happened. And so these two matchups, the semifinals that you have on Monday, San Francisco Gonzaga and then St. Mary's BYU, very attractive matchups. San Francisco led Gonzaga in the second half of their matchup uh, in San Francisco. So that might not be a complete cakewalk for the Zags. And then um, St. Mary's, which, which beat Pepperdine in a double overtime thriller, which went deep into the night, probably deep into the night on Saturday that right after the game over was ended, you probably set your clock forward. It was that late. <laughs> uh, the time change might have occurred right after the, the, the final horn, but now you have St. Mary's surviving that double overtime game against Pepperdine playing BYU, which has been a very pleasant surprise under coach Mark Pope uh, who was part of Rick Pitino's 1996 national championship team at Kentucky Uh, He replaced Dave Rose at BYU and has done an exceptional job with the Cougars. St. Mary's BYU is a thrilling, very attractive uh, semifinal. That's going to be the late semifinal on Monday night after San Francisco Gonzaga. And then the winners of those semis on Tuesday night. I am really fired up for the WCC tournament.
0: And a quick answer from you. If, if San Francisco somehow surprises Gonzaga, gets into the title game and wins it, do you believe that's four teams the committee will take or potentially within the St. Mary's BYU loser be nervous? What do you think? Uh,
3: St. Mary's is safely in. BYU is going to be around a five seed St. Mary's would be the only team which might have any reason to worry but I think you would see a 4-bit WCC under that scenario.
0: How about that? Love this guy. Love the insight. Promise me that we do this much more. By the way, we mentioned to the audience they need to go to the uh, Free Throw Awareness Twitter and Hashtag Central, where we've got the Free Throw Awareness shirts that we've got going on. You're going to see much more about the shirts and special sales here in March. It's Free Throw Awareness Month. They can go at FTawareness.com on twitter the hashtag is at or the hashtag is ft awareness month that we're tweeting at uh and bringing up all the great foul shooting and and what happens uh we saw usc gag four free throws at the end of that game with ucla and yet still find a way to win uh with the last second three-pointer foul shooting will be huge this week on championship week in the ncaa tournament so again. Uh, go to FT Awareness on Twitter or the hashtag FT Awareness Month to find out more about the shirts, the really cool shirts that we have. Because why? Matt Zimic friends, don't let friends do what? Friends don't let friends miss front end. Exactly. This message brought to you by the American Free Throw
3: Advisory Board. Be make, prepared make, and spread the message to your family.
0: Make your free throws. Free throws destroy families, right? So, I mean, make them... Uh, make them down the stretch. And again, follow Matt at Matt Zemek Z-E-M-E-K, for all of this. Thank you, sir. Let's enjoy all the games. We'll, uh, we'll have you back on as all the madness unfolds through Championship Week and into Selection Sunday and on to the NCAA Tournament. Thank you, sir.
3: Thank you. I'm looking forward to college basketball Christmas on Sunday when we unwrap those brackets.
0: Oh my goodness, I've been waiting, waiting, waiting to get a chance to talk to this guy because, look, it it is all about what he does this week, the bracket, and blogging the bracket. He does it all year long. Chris Dobbertine of bloggingthebracket.com and the SB Nation family of websites back with me on college basketball coast-to-coast. Happy Championship Week, young man. It is here, Selection Sunday within eyesight now. How are you? Yeah,
4: I, uh, I'm, I'm awake <laughs> <laughs> for now. It's going to be one of those weeks. I feel like, I feel like it's going to be one of those weeks. We, we had a little bit of it, kind of our first tasters during the first weekend of championship week. We had some really thrilling championship games, particularly on Saturday, Sunday, eh, not so much, but Saturday we were off to a really good start. And I think we're going to have a lot more of that, especially when the co- the Power Conference tournaments get started, starting on you know Tuesday and Wednesday. Oh yeah, definitely going into Wednesday.
0: So much to get to, and I promise, I promise, we will eventually get to in. Or out, which Chris does uh, basically all the time. About fifty-two weeks out of the year, he starts projecting who's in, uh, who's <laughs> out for the NCAA tournament. Or right, maybe not fifty-two, like like maybe forty-eight. Uh, no. But it, anyway, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm anxious to get his thoughts on a lot of these different teams. All right, so you mentioned uh, Saturday and the thrilling in for Utah State. Uh, I, I joke around. We don't need no stinking committee. Just go ahead and take it out of their hands. Get the automatic bid. Uh, we had asked you last week it, what kind of case would Utah State have at large? Doesn't matter now. They won the game. Yep. Uh, your thoughts, real quick, on the way they won it and the fact that they now can put their feet up figuratively for a week and wait for their name to show up Sunday night.
4: I was stunned that they were able to win it, mostly because for the first 10 minutes of that game, they looked absolutely dead in the water. Um, you know, having played a, the late semifinal on Friday night, and of course, have yeah, of course, specific time and all that. They still didn't get out of the arena until super late. You know, that game is a little bit earlier. You know, it's late afternoon Pacific time because, you know, for TV purposes, you know, 3.30 tip-off. So they, they really looked like it in the first few minutes there. But they had a nice little run before halftime that really kind of bailed them out. And, you know, uh, Sam Merrill was not going to let them lose that game. And if you watch the, the, the video of him – Taking that last shot and how patient he is and how he thinks about it, that that is the mark of a champion right there and somebody who's not going to let his team lose and and put you know his, their fate into the committee's hands for a solid week.
0: Yeah, and they're dangerous. They're dangerous if they get into the dance uh, against a power team. We'll see. Maybe they're going to be a 12-seat, something like that. Who knows? Maybe they're going to be in Dayton. We're going to find out uh, when the time comes. No, how- no
4: Dayton for them. Yep. No. We- No dating for them. No dating for them, according
0: to Chris. All right, so you don't have them in dating at the moment. No, automatic bid, yeah. No,
4: they they won't be because they're an automatic bid. All on the policy,
0: yes, thank you. This is why I have you to keep me sane and keep me straight. That's right. They're not an at-large or an automatic bid. Probably around a 12 seed, though, something like that. 11,
4: 11, maybe a 10, 10, 11, yeah.
0: Something like that in the latest bracket. Keep checking bloggingthebracket.com to find out. How much did this damage San Diego State? I don't believe they're a one seed now. Agree? Disagree?
4: I still have them there for now. I don't think they'll end up there um, when all is said and done because the couple of teams that are behind them, in fact, you know, all four teams that are on the two line on my two line right now, both will have the opportunity to win their regular season championship and a conference championship, starting with Dayton and Florida state, Kentucky, and then Creighton. Um, Honestly, I think of that group, Dayton and Florida state have the best cases. I think Dayton will probably end up there because provided they win the A-10 tournament, that's always a tournament that's a little bit, you know, funky in terms of upsets, and they're going to potentially end up with the St. Louis team, who uh, meaning a St. Louis team who's going to need a win to get a bid themselves. Um, Florida State then would kind of be there, and Kentucky is still very much alive, even though their net is still not all that great. San Diego State's not going to have that double championship, that regular season and conference tournament title, and neither is Baylor um, number three on the top seed line right now. So conceivably, I could see both those teams falling off before all was said and done, but just not yet.
0: Chris Dobbertine with me, bloggingthebracket.com. Follow him at Chris Dobbertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N, on social media. And you will want to. And follow Blogging the Bracket as well on social media and online because this is the week where he's got teams in and out. I promise we're going to play in and out uh, coming up here uh, in a few moments. All right, so we saw some other uh, automatic bids going out uh, here. We've got several more on Monday and Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to talk more with Mark Wise in the final interview segment about the Southern Conference Championship. I'm asking him his opinion about East Tennessee State's at-large case. I will I will preemptively ask you before I ask him. He's working the game. Is East Tennessee State in even if they lose right now? What's your opinion, Mr. Blogging the Bracket?
4: It's going to be really close because the one thing that hurts them is the fact that the bottom half of that bracket went haywire and they're not going to get to play either Furman or UNCG which would be another quad two type win Uh, and if they lose that game that you know that's going to end up being a quad three yeah Yeah. it's going to be a quad three loss and they would have two quad three losses and a quad four loss and I think that would really really hurt their chances still will be 26 and 5 against you know division one teams so i think they would have a decent shot but they're well we have to see what happens their net. and i think that that really is going to be one of those things If they lose that game that's probably going to cost them the spot
0: six days of hand-wringing for sure in johnson city tennessee if they don't win that game monday night and again you may already know that result i keep qualifying this chris for the audience that's hearing us later in the week you may already know that east tennessee state rolled maybe they barely won maybe wofford knocked them off that's what's great about this time of the year somebody gets the automatic uh bid. We touched on this also with Matt Zimick. Do you believe right now that all three teams in the West Coast Conference tournament again at the time that Chris and I are taping, we don't know the results of the semifinals uh with Gonzaga, San Francisco, St. Mary's, BYU. Do you believe the top 3 teams all safely in and San Francisco could maybe be a fourth team if they somehow some way uh, slay two dragons in Las Vegas and win the automatic bid. You believe three firmly in right now, West Coast Conference Tournament Championship game Tuesday night?
4: Yeah, it's good that St. Mary's ends up getting BYU because that's, if that's a loss, that's not a bad loss. So that's I don't think it's going to really hurt them too much. It might drop them down to force them to play the extra game in Dayton, but I think that, that they're going to be okay anyway. Uh, San Francisco is going to be a very interesting case just because you think about the two meetings that they had with Gonzaga. You know, they played them in, in San Francisco, tried to slow them, you know, both games were kind of pretty well fast-paced games, 73, 72, a little bit over kind of what they, they do over the season. So that, I think, is going to be interesting if they try to try to run with them. And I think Gonzaga probably runs them off the court and, you know, takes it out of their hands. But if they try to slow them down a little bit more, I, I think the Dons will have a bit of a shot.
0: All right. And again, San Francisco led by double digits in the second half at Spokane a couple of weeks ago. But then Gonzaga stomped on the accelerator, raced by him and won the game decisively Uh, in the end. We'll see what happens. And again, you may already know what happened with the San Francisco Gonzaga head to head Monday night semifinal, much less the championship game in that conference. Uh, All right, one more before we get to in or out. Power conferences getting underway midweek from Big Ten to SEC, from ACC to Pac-12, Big East to Big 12. Let's throw the American conference in there uh, as well as a seventh one if we want to. Do you have one that really intrigues you right now and why, Chris?
4: Well, it would have been the SEC until pretty much every bubble team but Mississippi State ended up losing on Saturday. So my answer is going to be the American because now we have a three-way tie at the top. Cincinnati, the one seat, you know, then Houston and Tulsa also in the, in that championship tie. And Tulsa really a team that's not really kind of in the at-large frame at the moment. You know, I think that they're probably going to have to win a couple of games in that event to get there, but you have UConn, however, who's kind of come back from the dead and you have Memphis who still has a little bit of life. So, yeah, and then, of course, we have Wichita State. So we have six teams there potentially playing for three, maybe four bids, depending on what happens elsewhere, which is a lot more than expected because, you know, that conference was so kind of – in the second 50 of the net, really kind of – that grouping kind of dominates that conference. That's really kind of hurt their at-large chances. But with the way things have kind of unfolded elsewhere nationally, potentially, particularly in the SEC – I think that they're gonna. There's gonna be a real opportunity for a third and a fourth team to get in there to join Houston and Cincinnati, the two teams that I have in the bracket right now.
0: Wichita State a very interesting case. They did their part since last we talked to you. They beat. Uh, they they did. Well, they lost at Memphis, but they did beat Tulsa on Sunday to at least give themselves a chance. Do you believe Wichita State's probably got to make the championship game to have a strong argument? An early loss might croak them. At large, Wichita State. Well, where are they right now?
4: Yeah, I have Wichita State just outside because you kind of look at their profile. They're two and five against Quad One. and Those two wins are against UConn and Oklahoma State, two teams that aren't really, you know, in the you know, they're in the on the fringes of the picture basically. And they only have one win over a team in the field, and that's Oklahoma, and that's a Quad Two win. So they still need, you know, to kind of get some more quality wins there. Yep. So they're going to have to make a run in fort worth i think to get in the field
0: and when wichita state's uh, four games obviously to chris's point against cincinnati and houston are all four losses so if you're going to point to something on how did you do against the best teams in your conference who are in the field that's not good now that could change if wichita state could beat one of them on the neutral floor that might help them that's why we got to watch all of this play out you know what it leads us to folks on college basketball you know what it leads us to with chris here we go Moves in, in.
1: or out, out for the big dance in March.
0: Uh, all right, so some te- you mentioned uh, a few moments ago, some teams took some losses on the weekend. That would include Indiana, that would include Texas, that would include UCLA. Let's begin. We were joking with Matt Zimmick earlier. Uh, it was, uh, it was Archie... Uh, Miller talking about you as a Sesame Street character, just Joe Lenardi, with all the bracketologists. He was saying you're Sesame Who was your favorite Sesame Street character, by the way, Mr. Blogging the Bracket? Were you a Cookie Monster guy? Were you a Big Bird guy? I was always po- uh, uh, partial to Oscar the Grouch. What about you? Uh, Grover. Grover for you. <laughs> Grover
4: was, I, I'm a clock, so Grover was, you know, my favorite gover was the man was, i've always right. been a yeah. all right
0: here's your chance yeah. to smack back indiana in or out right now headed to the big 10 tournament what say you yeah
4: i have indiana in relatively comfortably even with their net being at 60 they have you know two top 10 wins over Michigan, or two top 10 wins three top 20 wins they have no bad losses yeah they're four and 10 against quad one yeah they're two and eight against you know against teams playing in true road games But you compare that, you compare their other metrics. You know, they're a top 40 team in three of the the four metrics, advanced metrics that the committee uses outside of the net, outside of KPI, and they're top 50 in that. Yeah, they have no bad losses. This is a team that I think is a lot safer than a lot of people think.
0: All right, so now let's find out what you think about UCLA. Seven game win streak snapped on the last second three pointer. Final regular season game they lose at USC. Do you have the Bruins right now headed to the Pac-12 tournament as the two-seed in or out?
4: I have the Bruins just outside. Again, uh, they have, yeah, a one-quadrant three loss, one-quadrant four loss from earlier in the season, which hurts. You know, I really think that their wins over Arizona and Colorado have kind of been devalued a little bit because those teams can't get out of their own way right now. But they have a five-and-five five road record. Their net's still not great. It's down to 76. They can't seem to get that up any further because of the way that that uh, metric is calculated at this point. So yeah, I think they're going to have to win a couple of games in the Pac twelve tournament.
0: All right, so but here, honestly, yep, go ahead. The way
4: they're playing, I think they could end up just winning the whole thing and taking it out of the committee. Yeah, they
0: fans. might. They might be able to do that as well, and then it doesn't matter. And uh, they could obviously improve the resume with another semifinal win. Let's say theoretically over Colorado. I, I know yep. the number in front of their name on net ranking says seventy six. But a year ago, the committee put St. John's in with a 74 net ranking. So it isn't only the net ranking. Here's the other thing, and I'm not just saying this at you. Anybody, back to the Hoosiers, anybody that has Indiana in, show me a win away from Assembly Hall. I'll wait. Okay, UCLA goes to Colorado, wins, goes to Arizona, and wins. If the committee stands by, go to the road, and beat people in true road games, UCLA did that. I can't reconcile Indiana in, UCLA not in right now. Uh, you want to leave them both out, fine. You want them both in, fine. That's just me. You're Mr. In or out though, so it's, all, it's what this time of year is all about. Differences of opinion. Yep. Uh, Texas. Shaka Smart, Texas. Chris Davertine, in or out right now, headed to the Big 12 tournament?
4: I have Texas just in right now because when Cincinnati got the automatic bid, that knocked Tulsa out. That opened a spot up. That put Texas in despite that horrible loss on Saturday mm. to Oklahoma State at home. You know, they've beaten Texas Tech on the road. They've beaten Purdue, even though Purdue's kind of out of a picture now because of their record. They've beaten West Virginia. They've played relatively well lately. They've won in Oklahoma. So you talk about a team that, you know, has done well on the road. They've kind of gotten there. They're six and five in true road games, five and eight in quad one games. No bad losses. You know, their worst losses. is Iowa State on the road. That's, yeah, that's 98, but that's a quad two loss with the way these quadrants are drawn up. So Texas for right now. But again, they have a very big game on Thursday afternoon against texas tech and you know if they lose that it's going to be a different story
0: and again they won two games away from home late in the year which should help we'll see what happens with the texas longhorns all right so there you go a little in or out did i leave anybody else that's uh, that's debatable right now on in or out as we head to the power conferences midweek getting underway et cetera? Et cetera. anybody else you want to talk about that's still got work to do maybe uh,
4: i think maybe north carolina state
0: <laughs> mm. especially in the acc yeah, no. right now yes
4: Yeah, because the problem is the ACC has really not helped them all that much. They only have a home win over Duke, a home win over Wisconsin, and then they have a road win over Virginia, which is a nice little tiebreaker for them. But they've also lost to Georgia Tech, lost to Virginia Tech, lost to Carolina, Mm. lost to Clemson, lost to Georgia Tech twice, lost to Carolina twice, and lost to BC. So, yeah, that's and they lost to Memphis. You want to talk about another bubble team. So this is a squad that I think – Definitely has to win a couple wins, have to get a couple wins in the ACC tournament. You know, their strength of schedule is a lot better than it was last year. That'll help them a little bit, but they've got to get wins, and that's probably going to require them getting to that quarterfinal, semifinal of the ACC tournament because there's nothing beyond the top four that's going to help them.
0: All right. And again, you said earlier Florida State may very well have a pathway as the regular season champs to a one seed if they were to romp on through and win uh, here in the ACC tournament that they very possibly could be a one seed, depending on how everything else shakes out with whoever else it shakes out. Dayton may be in their way as an unbeaten A-10 champ. What happens if Dayton doesn't win the A-10 tournament, though? So let's see yeah. Let's see how it all plays out for that. Anything else in closing? I know you're going to update the site. You may be updating the site every 53 minutes, uh, maybe 27 <laughs> minutes, maybe every two hours this whole week at bloggingthebracket.com, correct? Correct.
4: Well, what we're going to have over at SB Nation, we'll have a bracket update every morning, uh, um, hopefully around noon Eastern, before noon Eastern. And then when we get into Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, things are really going to pick up, um, especially Thursday and Friday. I'll have updates during the day in terms of the bubble picture, who's helping themselves, who's hurting themselves. Uh, a lot of conference tournament coverage over on logging the bracket, especially if you're interested in, you know, who's beaten who during the season in terms of matchups and, how teams have done in terms of making their conference tournament title game and winning the title game, and and, and then subways and that sort of stuff. And CA seeding as a result. So I have that kind of information over there. And and that's pretty much it.
0: (laughs) Wow, as if that's all that we need uh, Promise me we get to talk to you again later in the week Because then we might have more updates We'll know more teams in the field Out of conferences like the West Coast Conference The SOCON, the Horizon League That I'm doing Tuesday night on TuneIn Radio uh, But we'll also have a maybe a better idea About the Indianas, about the Wichita States The Texases later in the week If they won or if they lost Early on in these tournaments When we play the in and out game Chris, I always love it, brother Great stuff as always Thanks so much, TJ. It's here. It is truly time for the madness, our madness in tandem, to get underway as I love bringing on my analyst Mark Wise, the former Purdue and South Florida assistant. Long-time analyst with me, whether it's been Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM, now on TuneIn. Oh, speaking of TuneIn, Mark and I will be together in Indiana, Indiana Farmers Coliseum Horizon League Championship, Tuesday night, exclusive national digital coverage on TuneIn. Looking forward to that, so no matter when you're hearing the podcast here early in the week, midweek, Uh, Just know that we're doing that game Tuesday. You may already know what happened in that game. We're anxious for that. But before we even get there, Coach Wise, you've got SOCON. You've got Southern Conference Championship game on Monday night on ESPN-TV. You and Mike Morgan on the call for the Buccaneers of East Tennessee State and Wofford in the championship game with an automatic bid on the line. So much to talk about with you. Happy March. Happy automatic bids going out. And we are ready to throw the ball up this week, are we not?
2: Yeah, we looked forward to madness for so long, and now we're right in in the middle of it. Um, It's a wonderful time of the year. The next four weeks, magical for all hoop junkies.
0: And these upcoming two weekends are as crazy an avalanche of games, an avalanche really of upsets that will take place as anything you will find. And it all builds to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend. And then, of course, in Atlanta, we'll be in Atlanta. For the 2020 Final Four to decide the national champion, uh, love it here. And you want to stick with us on college basketball coast to coast. All right, let's begin appropriately at the beginning. Again, if you're listening, you may already know the result, but we're in the preview mode. And so we're talking Southern Conference title game at the time that Mark and I are talking semi semifinal Sunday night saw East Tennessee State win easily in their semifinal game. They're clearly the best team in the league. They clearly have a case for an at-large bid. They won easily. Tell me more about what you saw in person.
2: Well, East Tennessee State is relentless in the way they attack the basketball. I mean, they've got, they're deep, they, they can score in a variety of ways. They have multi-dimensional scores on the perimeter, whether you're talking about trey boyd or bo hodges or williamson uh isaiah tisdale gives them a double figure score coming off the bench so it's a deep team they have a legit seven footer and lucas gasson uh they they can cause a lot of problems and you know they've won a school record number of games 29 games they're going for 30 tonight steve forbes coach of the year this is their fourth time in the last five years to be in the championship game don't be surprised Steve Forbes' name gets thrown around once we get to the coaching carousel. And on the other side of the ledger, we have Wofford. And th- this is the, the beauty of college basketball. Wofford has gone in a single year. They have gone from being the league bully because last year they won 30 games. They were 18-0 and in SOCOM play to being Cinderella. They've gone from the league bully to Cinderella <laughs> in a single year. This is a Wofford team that was – I don't want to say limping. I mean, they were like to a crawling to the finish line. They lost their last seven games in league play. Unreal. They went from eight and three in the league to eight and 10 in the league, but there's something magical in the air here in Asheville for Wofford, uh, because, um, uh, they've won six straight games now in this building three last year, three this year. Uh, they've had to, they're, they're trying to go four games in four days. So, Really and truly, uh, this is one of those Cinderella matchups. They lost to East Tennessee State twice during the regular season. Both games, oddly enough, were low-scoring affairs.
0: Interesting. And you gave us a lot of meat on the bone there. Wofford had a lead and then had to hang on right in the final uh, minute to beat Chattanooga on Sunday night. And now it is tough to beat a team three times in one season. We'll see if ETSU can do that. And for the audience hearing us all across the country, wherever they're hearing us, again, you're doing the game on ESPN. How legit is the case For an East Tennessee State team that is 39 in the net this morning, that has a win over Winthrop, who got in the NCAA tournament Sunday on an automatic bid, they have a win at Little Rock, who's the regular season champs of the Sun Belt, they lost at Kansas, they won at LSU, how legit of an at-large case do these guys have if the Buccaneers don't get the automatic bid, Mark, what's your opinion?
2: Well, I I think they're right on the bubble with that. Uh, The only thing missing from their resume is the number of quality wins. And you've already gone over the, the list there. The most significant is the win at LSU because it represents a quadrant one win, but it's their only quadrant one win. So from that standpoint, they can take all that away. They don't have to worry about any of that if they take care of business tonight. However... If you lose tonight, then life on the bubble will be very precarious over the next four or five days because then you have to wait and see what happens around you.
0: No doubt. We keep talking about that over and over again, and we will find out if this 2020 committee led by the Duke Athletic Director Kevin White adheres to what previous committees have said, which is, we're going to look at the mid-majors and see, is there some quality play out of conference, which obviously going to Kansas uh, as they did, going to LSU as they did, they tried. They tried and they went won one of those games. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's a great point that you make, because when you look at, especially for a lot of mid-majors, when you look at their strength of schedule, it gets impacted by the league that they're in. For instance, East Tennessee State's overall strength of schedule is 144. That doesn't wow you, certainly. But their non-conference strength of schedule was 66. So they have sent the message to the committee, which is exactly what you're talking about, um, they were willing to go and play people out of conference and take a chance and try to build the resume that way. They can take care of that if they can control Wofford and the, uh, or they don't have to worry about that. If they can control Wofford and their three point shooting in the two games that the two teams played this year, Wofford only made 10 three balls in the two games. They shot 25% from bonus land here in the tournament. Wofford is making 12 a game and 50% from the arc something
0: has to give yep we'll see what that is again on espn family of networks will be the socon championship monday night again depending on when you're listening to us you may know that east tennessee state won and has the automatic bid maybe they lost and they're going to be nervous for four or five days here headed to selection sunday we will find out mark wise with me here will be on the call and then he will be with me in the capital of indiana we will be at the indiana farmers coliseum just north of downtown where again, at the time that we're taping, semi-finals Monday night, where Wright State and Northern Kentucky are the top two seats. All right, first of all, just the general statement. Uh, in the Horizon League, anything goes. It's like pro wrestling battle royal. <laughs> we never can figure this one out. So we, we may be talking about both of those teams on Tuesday night. And Mark, we may be talking about neither of those teams between right. Green Bay and UIC, Illinois-Chicago being the other two. Or some combination of either Wright State or Northern Kentucky makes the title game. This one has truly been up for grabs. I mean, we had we had one year where Oakland, Oakland University in Michigan, was the one seed. And they promptly lost to the eighth seed with a losing record in the opening quarterfinal game. We saw Link Darner's Green Bay team that year win four games in four nights to go uh, to the NCAA tournament. But really, Wright State and Northern Kentucky have been the two best teams in this conference over the last couple of years. They've each won the league title. Northern Kentucky won it a year ago in the final year in Detroit against Loud and Love, the player of the year in the horizon for Wright State and company. All right, so now we come back around. John Brannon, the coach at Northern Kentucky, left and took the Cincinnati job. Darren Horn, who you're very familiar with, the former right. South Carolina player and coach, is now the Northern Kentucky coach. Uh uh Wright State won both regular season matchups. All right, so let's look in the crystal ball. If, if they are playing again Tuesday night, here we go again with the two best teams in the Horizon League battling for the automatic bid.
2: Yeah, Wright State uh, really waxed northern Kentucky at home and and then had to hold on in, in February, uh winning sixty four to sixty two in that game. It's because um when you when you take a look at the at the team that's the number one seed, and by the way, all four top seeds have survived to the semifinals, which in itself is a story in the horizon as you just referenced. <laughs> um but Wright State split with UIC, who they have to play in the semifinals. They did sweep Northern Kentucky, and then they also um, um, split w- with uh, Green Bay. And Green Bay and Wright State are the two highest-scoring teams in the league, both averaging around 81 points a game. So here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for offense Tuesday night. That's what I <laughs> want see.
0: Throw that ball in the air. Again, Loud and Love, one of the best low-post players that's not in a major conference. 18 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, Uh, Mr. Double-Double in this league, 11th in the country in offensive rebounding. Watch out for him. Uh, it seems like J- he's been there forever in uh, Dayton, Ohio at Wright State. It seems like Jalen Tate has been at Northern Kentucky forever. He's the defensive player right. of the year. And then again, if Green Bay can pull some kind of an upset out of this, they've got Amari Davis, the freshman of the year, We're going to have a lot of fun, no matter what, on Tuesday night. I know I always love this. You love it. We've done it the last five years in the Horizon League. New venue in Indianapolis where they signed a multi-year deal. Anxious to see it and anxious to see what happens here because these teams all know nobody's getting in at large, right, Uh, Coach? I mean, it is win this and and see your name uh, Sunday night, right?
2: This this is a one-bid league. Uh, I I do think that probably probably Wright State has the most weapons Whether you're talking about Bill Wampler, who's a 41% shooter. Cole Gentry seems like he's been there forever as well. (laughs) The great assist, the turnover guy. He's 41%. And speaking of freshmen, Tanner Holden for Wright State. 12 points a game in league play. Doesn't shoot a lot of threes, but makes them. Uh, Yeah, this is a really good offensive team. And surprisingly, Wright State, they're top 30 in the country in tempo. They want to go. They want to push the pace
0: look for early offense and and love is built like an offensive lineman Uh, and can move and so we're interested to see what this will look like again no givens though they are they are the favorite team and again Scott Nagy is their coach I love the Dick Vitale line that he said for 30 years that that guy can flat out coach baby that guy can flat out coach (laughs) yes Nagy Nagy, former division two national champion coach uh, at at South Dakota State brought South Dakota State into division one and then took this right state job and all he's done is just win coach of the year three years in a row he's the co-coach of the year this year so we'll see what happens on tuesday again you may be listening midweek you know that result you may know that wright state and northern kentucky didn't even play in the championship game that's why we call it march the march to march and the madness again we'll be on tune in with that game and then as if mark hasn't had enough for this week you're going to go ahead and head to the sec tournament you've been working sec network and espn's coverage of the southeastern conference nashville tennessee where kentucky is the one seed and uh, and as it turns out, Mississippi State squeezed in as the final team to get a bye as the four-seed. When Kentucky beat Florida, what, ha- what happened to the Gators? Not just a defeat on the court, but a defeat in the seeding of the conference tournament, right, Mark Wise?
2: Yeah, because of the way things had worked out, if Florida had won the game, they were going to be the number two seed, regardless of what Auburn and LSU did, because they had the tiebreakers in that scenario. But because they... Uh, We're not able to come up with that defensive stop at the end. Kentucky with a miraculous comeback. Florida slipped into a two-way tie for fourth with Mississippi State. Those two teams only played once this season. Mississippi State won at Florida, and therefore they got the number four seed and the double bye, which means Florida now has to play on Thursday, uh, and, and they'll have to win a game get back to Mississippi State so it's it's a huge draw I think for Mississippi State because I think right now Florida's in there's no doubt in my mind Florida is in.
0: So you believe you believe right now Kentucky obviously Auburn obviously LSU and Florida and and Mississippi State uh, you started to say very well could play their way in over a couple of days in Nashville.
2: Yeah because what Mississippi State is a quadrant one win. And that's what will this will represent if Florida wins the game on Thursday. If they get Florida on Thursday, that could be their Dayton game. That could be their play-in game. So from that standpoint, huge game for Mississippi State because I think they represent the league's best chance and maybe only chance to get a fifth bid.
0: All right. And the significance, again, of Florida not ending up with a two seed is they will now theoretically play Kentucky in a semifinal game, if it comes to it, as opposed to the championship game. You eventually have to allegedly play the best teams anyway. You would just play them earlier. And we don't know early in the week. The audience may know what's the latest with Ashton Hagens, who did not make the trip to Gainesville. What was described as personal reasons, Uh, nothing firm as we're taping uh, college basketball coast to coast right now. But again, Kentucky doesn't end up playing till later in the week, Mark, so it's a, it's an unknown at the moment. And we're waiting right. to hear.
2: Here's what you need to know about the wackiness not only of college basketball, but the Southeastern Conference as well. No team in the league from Kentucky to Vanderbilt is entering the SEC tournament with more than a two game winning streak or a two game losing streak. <laughs>
0: How about that? So uh, we look forward to hearing Mark Wise on the national radio call through IMG College, uh, SiriusXM, SECSports.com on some of these games early on, where, again, uh, Alabama and Tennessee are playing Thursday. Florida now playing Thursday. A Texas A&M team that has beaten Auburn and has beaten um, a couple of teams here at the very end, Arkansas. Uh, They're also playing on Thursday trying to play their way in. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in Nashville? I do know this. I always wish you this. I always make you smile. Happy 12th anniversary of you and I surviving the tornado at the SEC tournament in 08. We were on the air live calling the Mississippi State Alabama game that year when the tornado hit the Georgia Dome. We're still alive 12 years later. I don't know what's going to happen in Nashville, like we always joke, but I can't believe it's going to be any crazier, any more exciting than a tornado in March in downtown Atlanta that we survived. So happy anniversary. We're still alive and kicking, my friend.
2: TJ, let me bring it completely full circle. Yes. One of the players on that Georgia game for that team that won the the two games in one day at Georgia Tech, is the head coach at Wofford right now who I have tonight, Jay McCauley. It's who unreal. Who replaced Mike Young. So that, <laughs> that brings us,
0: full circle we are we are definitely getting old when players that have played in games are now coaches and exiting and oh and could be in the in the ncaa tournament what a wild 08 tournament it was for the sec we'll see what happens uh for this week mark again says he believes four firmly in with florida maybe a fifth is it mississippi state is it texas a&m is it somebody else making a run and maybe getting the automatic bid that's why march is so much fun I always love doing this. Let's rendezvous in Indianapolis. Again, depending on when you're hearing us, Mark is working the SoCon Championship game Monday night, East Tennessee State and Wofford. He'll be with me on the radio on TuneIn, our exclusive coverage of the Horizon Championship in Indianapolis Tuesday night. We're hoping that's a one versus two, right State and Northern Kentucky. But who knows? Semifinals still got to shake out at the time we're taping. And then Mark is on to the SEC tournament. Promise me that after we rendezvous Tuesday, we come back on this show for selection Sunday night. And at that point, we got 68 teams. It's like Christmas morning. I'm looking forward to it, Mark. You got it, TJ. It's a deal. And there he goes. Always love the insight of the coach, Mark Wise. Again, Southern Conference title game on ESPN2 coming on Monday night with East Tennessee State and Wofford. He'll be with me on the national call on tune in of the Horizon League Championship from Indianapolis on Tuesday evening. And then Mark headed to the SEC tournament as well to work those games. Thanks also to Chris Dobbertine, bloggingthebracket.com. He has got smoke coming out of the keyboard right now, feverishly blogging away on who are the seeds and where, who's in, who's out all week long, blogging bloggingthebracket.com. And again, follow him at Chris Dobbertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N, uh, for more on that. Matt Zimick also with me from the Badger Wire USA Today website and the USC Trojan Wire website. Uh, Matt Zimick, you can find him at Z- Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K, on social media. And also Free Throw Awareness Month. Uh, Friends don't let friends miss the front ends. Get those free throw awareness shirt t shirts in your favorite school's colors. Order them now. We got a special sale going later in the week. Go to uh, the hashtag FT Awareness Month on social media to find out more about those shirts and order them up uh yes uh free throws can destroy a family don't let it happen though uh for this march it is free throw awareness month so thanks to matt for popping on it all the way back at the beginning timmy b tim brando from fox sports uh doing a great job all year long calling the big east calling the big 10 he will be at the big east tournament as this week unfolds working the wednesday night games with bill raftery thursday afternoon as well on fox sports one with jim jackson As again, the three-headed monster at the top is Creighton, Seton Hall, and Villanova. But what about Providence? What about Xavier? What about Butler? What kind of chance do those schools have? Does a team like Seton Hall uh, parade on through? Or does an upset-minded team like Georgetown or St. John's pull some upsets? We're going to find out in that Big East tournament this week as well. So thanks to Tim Brando. Always love his insight. He'll be calling the Big East tournament some this week. A reminder again subscribe to this podcast we'll have a weekend preview coming on friday as soon as it's out it'll come right to your phone right to your ipad if you subscribe so subscribe away on itunes spotify google Podcasts, spreaker rate us review us it'll move up in the rankings just search for college basketball coast to coast however you found the show subscribe it comes to you we'll also have a show on selection sunday night as well Uh, immediate analysis and insight into the field who's in who's out where's everybody going on Sunday night on college basketball coast to coast as well I think we're done for now the early week preview is done for all my guests I'm merely T.J. Reeves enjoy the hoops don't forget we will be hanging out on Tuesday night in Indianapolis for Wright State and Northern Kentucky on tune in in the Horizon League it's all part of Championship Week And thank you for being with me here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Bye.